Hey guys and girls, welcome to Molecule to Market. As always, we go inside the outsourcing space of the global drug development sector. I'm your host, Roman Segal, and you look lovely today. We talk every time on this podcast about the global drug development space. So today, I feel very privileged that we managed to uh, welcome a guest that is uh, a representative of Africa, which is obviously a continent that is not generally covered on our podcast or actually, you know, massively covered in the drug development outsourcing space generally. And so I had the kind of real pleasure of talking about the pharma and biotech supply chain with Adrian Lussa, who's director of Ecosystem Partnership at 54 Gene. What a fantastic guest she was. She brought, uh, she brings, you know, fantastic energy that you'll hear, great enthusiasm and a real kind of soul into the work that she does. It was insightful to hear how Adrienne ended up in the drug drug development space and how her experience as a child being brought up in Africa around malaria impacted her into her choice of career. And also just some of the challenges in terms of education where she couldn't do the degree that she wanted to do because there simply weren't any colleges in Cameroon that offered that particular degree. So just think how fortunate we are in the Western world that we get that type of privilege. She develops the conversation beautifully into talking about the continent and you know, the diversity of Africa, the main cities driving growth in Africa, some of the kind of macro factors, if you like, which are really kind of making Africa one of the high growth or is the high growth kind of place for the pharmaceutical sector uh, moving forward in terms of geographic, geographic growth. She currently works for 54 Gene, which is a leading biotech company in Africa. And she also talks a little like that. And, you know, just generally, she shares some fantastic insights and wisdom in terms of uh, the impact that we can make in the industry uh, that we all work. For background, Adrienne is a biochemist PhD with over 10 years ex- of experience on uh, you know, a plethora of diverse technical skills across the area of drug development and discovery. She's also worked as a lecturer and a researcher in top African universities, helping inspire a generation of scientists through access to information on the application of biotechnology. She's fluent in three of the most used languages in Africa, Portuguese, French, and English, and is ardent about continued learning, cross-culture, cultural collaboration, problem-solving, customer service, and mentoring. And her gorgeous mission is to elevate Africa through high-quality, innovative, and credible scientific output for global prosperity, which we discuss on today's episode. As always, thank you for listening to Molecule to Market. It's uh, it's great to have your ears uh, in tune with what you're about to listen to. And if you get the chance today, please share this uh, episode with somebody else that might benefit from it or give us a little five-star rating on your app store of choice. And if there's a guest that you want us to interview, please go to molecule-to-market-pod.com and send us a request and we'll get in touch with that person and invite them on the show. Enjoy today's episode. Hey, Adrian, welcome to Molecule to Market. 
Thank you, Roman. It's great to be here. It's uh, it's lovely having you on the show, and thank you for accepting my invite uh, to give to give our listeners a slightly different perspective to what they normally get uh, on on the podcast. And just to start off with, Adrian, give us give us a bit of an overview of you and how you got in to the life science space and and, and your journey to, to date. Great. Um, Roman, I want to thank you again for this opportunity and for taking interest in um, a different, you know, geographical space uh, and, and, and to want to inform your audience on, on what is happening currently in Africa. It's really exciting, actually. So um, I grew up in uh, Yaounde, which is the capital city of Cameroon. That's uh, where I'm originally from. And uh, I was raised one of five kids by a very, very uh, determined and driven uh, mom. However, there was always one thing uh, that always kind of brought my mom to, uh, you know, a state that I didn't uh, recognize her in. And that was when she got malaria. Uh, malaria is already eradicated in most parts of the world, but in Africa, it's still, or most of Africa, tropical Africa, it's still very much uh, a daily um a daily challenge. In fact, yesterday I was talking to my sister and she was telling me she was at the hospital with her son uh, and he was down with malaria. So going back to the story, uh, my mom often had malaria. And when she did, she was really, really down, like sick and weak and bedridden. And that wasn't the mom I, I knew. So somehow from a very young age, I felt compelled uh, to take interest in the biological sciences because that's how uh, I got to understand what diseases are and also in the chemistry um, part of science because that's how um, solutions to diseases were explained, you know, how, how you target uh, uh, um, uh, diseases and and you create molecules you know for for them um so with that background i went on to get a uh, high school everything uh, my my secondary education and initially my my passion was to become a pharmacist because somewhere again due to the environment and the realities um, of my childhood I was very much uh, into small uh, businesses. So I used to support my mom by running um, small businesses around, around the neighborhood, around anywhere I could find really. So I had that passion for business and uh, the, the biological or, or, or you know, drug development sort of uh, uh, space. Um, and so my my mind put it together that pharmacy will be the ideal uh, career path for me. But unfortunately, I couldn't get into pharmacy school, one, because there were none. Um, and to cut a, a long story short, I decided to go into biochemistry, biochemistry, but focusing on drug development and drug discovery. So if you push forward uh, about a decade, <laughs> I then got found myself in South Africa uh, for a PhD. I got a fellowship 
by the Organization for Women in Science for the Developing World to study uh, a PhD at uh, Stellenbosch University focusing on drug discovery targeting malaria. So that felt really good <laughs> to have uh, come to that point. Um, finished my PhD, went on to do a few postdocs still within the space, but then I felt that need um, that, well, I felt like I had, you know, come to the pinnacle of one of my uh, primary passions, but that the business one had sort of stayed lagging. And after my postdocs, my final postdoc, I decided that I was going to pursue uh, the business side of, of, of my interests. So I got a job as a sales professional with a distribution company here in South Africa. And where we worked uh, as a sales uh, professionals for multinational biotech companies. So that also gave me another aspect uh, of interaction where I was talking more to people who were really looking at uh, the genomics of things um, in various industries. But somehow the next uh, phase of my career brought me in contact with uh, the company I'm currently employed with, uh, 54Gene, which is uh, one of um, the leading uh, biotech companies, you know, African biotech companies that is at the, at the forefront of precision medicine in Africa. And in my current role, I am looking into, you know, enabling uh, partnerships that will uh, fast track our drug development pro uh, programs um, and, uh, you know, enable the, the equalizing of precision medicine and inclusion of uh, African data in global drug drug research. So in a nutshell, that's, that's been my journey. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's, it's been a whirlwind, but it sort of comes to a point where everything sort of fits nicely, um, like a puzzle. So, yeah. <laughs> well, 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 thanks for, for sharing your background. And I'm, I'm sure like lots of our listeners who are predominantly in as either the Western world or in kind of, you know, um, I suppose very well established economies in, in Asia where most of our listeners come from, even hearing you talk about, you know, your nephew having malaria and the challenges your mom had when you were a child, it, it will be very foreign to most of us because, you know, obviously in, in the Western world, it's things like that, just <laughs> as you say, or a, it just seemed like such a far kind of uh you know different world away and it's fascinating to hear how that experience that you had as a child obviously drove you into the drug discovery and development space which is a really kind of fascinating kind of insight into into kind of your journey today so thanks thanks for sharing and I was I had a smile when you were talking about kind of your combination <laughs> of business and life sciences because that's kind of where I have ended up in in life as well. So one of the reasons I was really keen on getting you on when I when I heard you speak elsewhere was, I think Africa as a continent is just not necessarily one that's associated with drug development and manufacturing, or if it is, it's not in the kind of you know the mainstay of of, of most of our kind of uh, focus areas. So would be great if you could 
you know, paint a bit of a picture of of the African market in terms of drug development in, in, in manufacturing. And also just, I suppose, if there are any major clusters that you see where, you know, I know you're, in, you're from Cameroon, but you're in South Africa now, you know, where are you seeing most development on, on the continent? Just to give our our listeners who probably like me have not got a clue about your, your market yeah. and where you are and would love to kind of learn more. Yeah, so um, interestingly, uh, anyone in the farmer's space, even on a global scale, can attest to the fact that in the developed world, um, there is currently a, a stagnation in terms of growth. And um, I was reading a McKinsey report from 2015 uh, that says Africa is currently the only uh, geographical frontier where the pharma market can still have high growth. So there's a few things that are driving this uh, uh, growth. The first one is um, urbanization. Um, if you walk through the, the streets of, 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 or you drive through the streets of Lagos, for example, um, where I was visiting uh, uh, last month, you will you'll be shocked by how much um, growth is 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 in the pipeline. You know, there's a lot of um, real estate, lots of demolition of old buildings to replace them with you know uh, multiple level uh, housing uh, uh, projects. There's a lot of um, movement of of the population, so the population is really shifting from the rural areas. Um, to to more to, to to the cities, so you have this shift, and these cities have a lot more um, better uh, logistics infrastructure, as well as healthcare capabilities, and so that is an opportunity in terms of the pharmaceutical uh, market, and then you also have uh, you know these urban families uh, have better purchasing power, you know. And, and there is another aspect, which is the fact that a lot of Africa's population is young and these young people are getting better education, better training, especially within uh, the, the health space. So we're getting more doctors, more nurses, more pharmacists. I mean, I when I was talk, telling you my story, that was in 2000, there were no pharmacy schools in the entire country, Cameroon. But nowadays, each province has one or two uh, public pharmacy schools and then a, 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 a few more private uh, pharmacy schools. And these are producing young people who are you know, trained and skilled um, for the space. And, and uh, I also spent a couple of years after my PhD in Mozambique, where a new school of medicine had just uh, been opened in a really remote area. I mean, when I moved to that area, I didn't even think I was going to get a job within, with requiring my skills. But within a few months that that uh, faculty of medicine got opened and uh, uh, students were being trained. So that's just a, to paint you a picture that there's this uh, growth, there's this, uh, uh, um, you know, 
capacity building that is happening within the science, but more specifically within uh, the health, the pharma uh, uh, space. And then not notwithstanding, we also have the business environment. So um, governments are now putting in place regulations, uh, import restrictions to really enable and encourage domestic drug manufacture. I mean, with all of the skills, uh, previously people who were trained would usually uh, leave the continent and go get jobs uh, in the West. But you also have this diaspora that is moving back to the continent because of these opportunities. And uh, the governments are also creating an enabling environment for business to thrive. Um, there are a flurry of mergers and acquisitions, joint ventures, strategic partnerships and alliances um, that are also further extending um, the African uh, market. So you asked if there were um, clusters where, you know, this, this is really happening in a very tangible way. Um, Africa is 54 countries, and these are really 54 distinct uh, uh, environments in terms of uh, markets, in terms of regulation, in terms of infrastructure. Um, however, what, what the focus should really be is in the cities. So there are a few cities um, that carry you know the weight when it comes to uh, pharmaceutical drug development or a uh, market and um, these these cities will be in countries such as South Africa South Africa is really one of the significant uh, if not the largest in terms of drug manufacturing the in sub-saharan Africa but you also have countries like Nigeria you have in the north uh, uh, Casablanca, like in, in, in Morocco, uh, you have Tunisia, you have Kenya, um, Ethiopia in the east as well. Uh, you ha also have countries uh, in Luxophone Africa like Angola and Mozambique. So yeah, there, there's a lot of, it's, it's really spread wide, um, but it, it's, it's, it's definitely tangible and it's I mean, if you come to Africa, you really feel it's like it's it's so uh, palpable, um, the buzz of growth that is happening. It sounds awesome, I have to say. I'm just I'm, I'm sitting here <laughs> listening to you and I've only been fortunate enough to, to visit the north of Africa and. I'm I'm ready to pack my bags and do a do <laughs> do a trip <laughs> and uh, and come and visit because it sounds like a a vibrant place in terms of not just I suppose the industry we work in, but the wider things in terms of it's fantastic to hear the educational opportunities, the growth of the big cities, and and ultimately the potential of the continent, which is which is super exciting, and this is exactly the type of thing that I certainly want to learn, and I, and I hope our listeners are getting benefit from, and you've touched on some really interesting points around, I suppose, uh, drug development and manufacturing. And I suppose historically, Africa is probably known as a market where drug products are shipped, if you like, and where they've been developed elsewhere in the world. And, you know, it's a market. And unfortunately, and but the reality is it's often one of the, the final markets of the the last markets where new products, I mean, the malaria examples is a great one. 
I suppose I'm interested to know, is, is that still the case where it's, it's still very much a market where products are shipped, um, you know, for dis, you know, distributed across the 54 countries, or are you seeing more development and manufacturing being done within, uh, within the continent? Uh, certainly, Raman, manufacturing is expanding uh, within the continent. There is still distribution happening uh, to a larger extent, uh, especially in more remote areas where there isn't so much um, infrastructure uh, to sustain, uh, you know, pharmaceutical drug development uh, and manufacturing. But um, in areas where this infrastructure is being put in place, um, governments are definitely creating an enabling environment, uh, putting in uh, import restrictions on certain things just to you know, give a boost to domestic uh, drug manufacturing. So there is, there is an extensive uh, uh, list of, of pharmaceutical companies in Africa that are, are doing uh, drug manufacturing. Um, what you also do see is that a lot of global companies are, you know, placing um, uh, manufacturing hubs on the continent. So you have um, Pfizer, Johnson & Johnson, uh, Bayer, a few of those big names, Roche, that have uh, manufacturing uh, sites, plants on, on the continent. Um, and another thing is that because of the challenges and, and one, one of uh, what the, the, the recent pandemic exposed was the dependence that even the, the, the pharmaceutical uh, manufacturing in Africa still depends on, on the West for, for sourcing uh, uh, raw materials. So there is also that aspect where local um, companies are coming up to fill in the gap for sourcing raw materials, for sourcing packaging um, and, and the likes. And so yes, there is there is definitely that that uh, uh, growth within the space. I mean, and it's it's definitely going to be more and more after the current the, the recent pandemic because of what it it, it, it exposed uh, uh, in terms of we can't rely on on imports. We need to build local capacity, and there's really a drive. There's really a drive from governments, from uh, nonprofit organizations to empower uh, Africans to, to create companies and to start uh, manufacturing locally. You're listening to Molecule to Market, where we go inside the outsourcing space of the global drug development sector, the podcast for professionals working in the pharma and biotech contract services space. I noticed um, a couple of months ago that Moderna is planning to build a, a huge manufacturing facility, I believe in, in, in Kenya, um, to help with vaccine manufacturing. And I suspect more mRNA type products beyond that as well, which is which is incredibly positive to to bring in that level of, of investment. And you you beautifully segued me to my next question, which was around COVID. And I, I suppose give us an insight into 
you know, vaccine distribution, and I appreciate you can't speak for all of Africa, but it would be great to get an insight and, you know, being sat here feeling very privileged that, you know, you know, I was in the US and, and you know, in Boston and managed to get my vaccine in, in March 2021, which, you know, was an incredible, uh, felt like an incredible moment and, you know, fully vaccinated a month later. And I'm, I'm guessing that's not been the pace within Africa. So, you, you know, paint a picture again for us of how the COVID vaccine distribution has been. Is it still an ongoing initiative? Be also just interesting to hear how, you know, you know, like elsewhere in the world, have there been, I suppose, not backlash is probably not the right phrase, but, you know, you know, people that are not keen on getting vaccinated for various reasons. Yeah. Um, and, and that's actually a good place to start, um, which is there is hesitation. Um, higher, I, I, would, I, would, I wouldn't know the stats exactly in relation to other parts of the world, but definitely um, the uptick of the vaccines um, has not been as high uh, as, as uh, was expected or anticipated. Um, there, there was a delay, obviously, because of supply chain uh, um, challenges. Uh, to get to get the vaccines to into Africa, I mean, uh, because the vaccines were nucleic acid based, so they needed like cold uh, chain transportation and all of that. So it was a challenge to get the vaccines, and we also were. I mean, that was public knowledge that the vaccines were not uh, equitably uh, made available to. Uh, all, especially to uh, countries from in, in Africa, but eventually we got we got the vaccines uh, delayed, but but not denied. <laughs> so we did get vaccines. <laughs> um, however, there is that hesitation, you know, something that is manufactured somewhere else by you know you consider it foreign, and so to bring it and embrace it, the local population has been hesitant. Um, nevertheless, there has been um, regulatory uh, or policies that have sort of um, helped in in getting people to 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 if not embrace it, but at least <laughs> you know get it uh, done. Things like travel uh, restrictions, things like um, workplace policies, and uh, you know. You know the, the 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 opening up of of social life again, uh, being uh, dependent or at least conditional um, to people being vaccinated. So in in the urban cities, people have have been uh, getting vaccinated, but still it's not as um, the uptake has not been as uh, great as was was um, expected. That's it's 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 a fascinating insight into i suppose the realities and the differences between you know the continent where you are and the continent where, where i and most of our listeners are but i'm i'm certainly um encouraged to hear that the you know, i suppose the vaccines have made their way you know to, to different corners of, of africa and people who are willing to get the vaccine are being vaccinated and, and hopefully that'll help them get 
life back to normal? And obviously you're based in South Africa right now. Did, does life feel back to normal for you in terms of, you know, certainly in the UK where I am at the minute, you know, it's almost like COVID doesn't exist, you know? And I'm, I'm, I'm curious to know what, is that, is that, is that the case where you are? Um, so I just wanted to add that uh, local manufacturing uh, of, of the vaccine really helped in, in, in boosting the capacity of, of distribution of the vaccines as well. Um, so to your last question, it, it depends where you are sitting. So I'm sitting in Johannesburg in South Africa, and um, there is still, uh, you know, people still have to have masks on in, in, in inside uh, a public area. Uh, outdoors, you are now allowed to go mask-free. Um, and so, yeah, to a certain extent, uh, life is almost back to normal, but we, 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 we know that it's not because you still see people with uh, masks um, in the malls, in the shops, in the restaurants to some extent. Um, however, like I said, it, it depends where you are because I've visited a few other countries where that is not the case. Um, people are very much, I mean, long time, they've, they've been living life as if nothing was happening. <laughs> so it, it all depends on, on the, the sensitivities uh, um, of, of the people, the culture and all that. Yeah. Wow. It's, um, <clears throat> it's really quite an insight to kind of hear how, how life is there. And, you know, it is, it is genuinely interesting to hear the kind of differences, um, certainly in, in the U S and the UK where I spend the most, most of my time, you know, it's, it's rare. It seems rare you see a mask. I mean, I took a flight last week and I think I was the only person wearing a mask. Likewise, likewise. I, I, I had the same experience. So I was traveling uh, from South Africa to Nigeria and that flight, we had to keep the mask on unless you're having a meal and all that. And then I took another flight uh, from Nigeria back to South Africa. It was with a different uh, airline, uh, uh, and there there was there was nothing. You know, um, the first time I actually felt like life was back to normal. I, I was visiting uh, the US, and I got to the hotel and I had all my mask on and everything, and I saw people just walking around free, and I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> something <laughs> yeah. else is happening. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but then the condition was if you are vaccinated then you're free so i yeah, yeah. i felt free yeah <laughs> <laughs> you almost uh you almost feel like if you're the only person wearing a mask now that you're the strange person that's wearing exactly. a mask exactly. <laughs> yeah yeah so i wanted i wanted to ask um a little bit about um i, I read when i was stalking you in advance of of um <laughs> obviously speaking in Thankfully, we managed to speak before the interview today. I love there's a there's a piece on your LinkedIn profile that says your mission is to elevate Africa through high quality, innovative, incredible scientific output output for global prosperity, which I think is a beautiful yeah. sentiment, by the way. But I'm interested to know how that's going. Like, are you at a, both a personal level, at obviously the business that you work for, at a more macro level, are you, is there, I suppose, traction in terms of that mission to elevate Africa and being real, and, and I suppose become a, a, a continent that is seen for innovation and incredible scientific output? 
Yeah. Um, so, so definitely, uh, innovation in Africa has never been uh, at at its best than than right now, and I feel very privileged to be working for a, a company, Fifty Four Gene, that is looking into um, leveraging the the diversity so when it comes to genomics uh, and diversity and 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 the capacity for innovation in in drug target discovery there is no better place to to search than than within the african continent because of the rich uh, genetic diversity that within the african populations um i mean uh, uh, it, it feels, and, and strangely enough, um, this this is very um, it's common knowledge, but still, the it has not been um, explored enough. So there's still very fast room for uh, 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 growth, for discoveries, and we see that within the next you know decade or so. Um, the discoveries in terms of new drug targets will will be definitely um, for global global consumption because um, the new drug targets the the the, the novelty the, uh, or the discoveries that will be made within uh, uh, the data from from African populations will not only serve uh, to inform about uh, disease uh, uh, origin and, and possible solutions for these diseases, just for Africans, but for the global population. So just in that particular uh, aspect, I feel very uh, privileged and fulfilled to be working uh, with, with 54Gene. But you also have um, an incredible uh, natural um, uh, resource when it comes to plants, when it comes to uh, microorganisms and the variety because of the, the weather, the geographical, um, uh, how can I put it? There's so much uh, richness and, and still undiscovered that can come when we're talking now about chemistries, about new organisms for biotech uh, applications. So there's just so much <laughs> happening. And now we also have the capacity uh, of trained and, and, and vibrant young people going after these problems and, and looking to innovate uh, within the spaces. So yeah, definitely Africa is a place to, to, to watch and to um, focus on in terms of incredible growth. No, that's, uh, it's, it's wonderful to hear, I suppose, the, the perfect storm in Africa in terms of you've got these, you know, very educated young people that are very ambitious, that want to make a change. It's got this yes. drive towards innovation. You've mentioned, obviously, partnerships with state and, uh, you know, colleges and companies and inward investment. So hopefully this is going to be a, a golden era for, um, I suppose, the evolution of drug development and manufacturing within within Africa. Um, another thing, 
I've got a few minutes left and I wanted to also ask uh, another question that I, I saw something about you, which really got my, <laughs> got my attention, <laughs> which, and this has come through very clearly through the conversation today is that you describe yourself as kind of a, a ardent about continuous learning and everything you've described about yourself kind of backs that up. I suppose, where has that learning habit come from and how do you make sure that you're always learning? Like, you know, and you can be as granular as you want, you know, do you read every day? Do you, you know, how are you continually learning? Cause it's a, it's a, you know, my, in my mind, it's one of the things that it's, it's one of the key aspects that differentiates real leaders in, uh, in kind of everyone else in, in life. So I'm, I'm curious to hear about your kind of learning habits. <laughs> You've got me smiling from Mola to Mola on that one. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I've, I, I've, I live, I live by curiosity. Um, I, I always, uh, I don't know where that came from, but I, I believe it has something to do with um, the upbringing that I got from from uh, my my mom. Uh, always pushing me to to learn. Uh, always. So she, she got me started with school um, earlier than most. Uh, and through school, I was really never allowed to complete the full um, spectrum within within the, the, the academic uh, sort of structure. So, for example, if others are doing uh, seven years within the primary education, she got me to do it in six while others were doing in five uh, for uh, secondary school, I got to do it in four. And what that meant was while, you know, towards approaching the, the, the end of that, that cycle, while others were studying for one year just to make it into the next uh, level, I was literally studying for two years. So I would go to the school in the day um, and do the normal cycle work and then go back home and go to school again in the evening to sort of uh, catch up with with what the other people with in a, in the higher uh, class were doing so that kept in me that um, uh, keenness or even the, just the belief that I can learn anything uh, and really I'm just only limited by the fact that I'm just one person but I, I read voracious, uh, voraciously um, and because I also found myself very busy without a lot of time now to really sit and read I, I also listen to a lot of audiobooks, um, a lot of podcasts, uh, which led me to start my own, by the way. <laughs> and um, I also love to talk to people. I found now that there is another, I mean, from my sales work uh, coming out of academia and having that, that uh, a new uh, opportunity to meet people through uh, sales uh, opportunities and currently in business development is I find every time you speak to somebody, it's a new book um, that unfolds to you. So it's, it's, it's books, it's audiobooks, it's talking to people. Any way I can learn something new every day, I, I feel like, yeah, that is, that is a life or a day worth, worth living. Well, what a, what a gorgeous sentiment to, I think, probably bring to a close the conversation um, because you've, you've been so great, uh, you know, so generous in sharing 
your insights in not only your career and in the kind of market that you operate in, but some fantastic learnings for our listener to to take away, Adrian. So thank you so much. I have um, while we were talking there, I, I looked, I was looking at your LinkedIn profile. And I noticed there was a little butterfly, which is right next to your <laughs> name. So I've, I've and there's I've, a story I've, to that. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to. I mean, I'd like you to tell me because I've, I've, I've now I've found the title of this this particular podcast is going to be Africa's biotech butterfly because. Oh. I, <laughs> and I appreciate yeah. that you said that you're just one person, but you know, there's a classic butter, butterfly effect where you know one person can can yes. impact change or elsewhere in the world. And is that the is that the link to the butterfly, or is there something else? Well, there's that. For me, the butterfly, um, it's the potential to metamorphose. So you, you don't ever have to feel stuck in one stage. You have this whole life cycle where you can start from, you know, a little egg and change into a pupper. And then, you know, it's all um, growth. And eventually you get to the butterfly stage. So there's that. And then there's also that effect that, you know, a little butterfly flapping its wings, one, one area can cause a tsunami in another area. So there's that impact that you can do by doing the little things that you do and doing them well. And eventually it has this global effect. So yes, you got that. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. And, and honestly, it's a, it's, a, it's a great kind of um, ethos to have and, and one that I hope our, our listeners can, can take away with them. Adrian, thanks so much for being a guest on A Molecule to Market. Before you go, please point us in the direction of your podcast and anywhere else that you want people to connect with you. Yes, so I have a podcast uh, called Africa Biotech Conversations Podcast. Uh, it's a podcast that is just talking to founders, CEOs, and enablers of uh, the biotech ecosystem in Africa. So you can you can find this podcast on, I mean, any platform where you, you listen to podcasts typically. Um, and you, you can connect with me on LinkedIn. Uh, just look for Adrienne Loeser. I'm very happy to, to connect and to have conversations with anyone that is uh, curious and interested in, in what is happening in Africa within biotech, within pharma. So yeah, um, let's connect. <laughs> Fantastic. Adrian, <laughs> what, a, what an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you so much for being a guest. It's been an absolute joy. Thank you so much, Raman, for the opportunity. Hi again. Thanks so much for tuning in to Molecule to Market. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. You can find more shows on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you like to listen. Get in touch with us on our website, moleculetomarketpod.com, and follow us on LinkedIn or Twitter, and we will see you again next week. You're listening to Molecule to Market, where we go inside the outsourcing space of the global drug development sector. The podcast for professionals working in the pharma and biotech contract services space. Molecule to Market is sponsored and funded by Remarketing, an international content, digital, and design agency that helps companies get noticed, raise profile, and generate leads in life sciences.